Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. Do you know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That TV Talk. I think it's time for some television. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, it's been quite a journey this year. 2020 is like the boyfriend that you should, or girlfriend, that you should not have given your number to because they're just wreaking habit. It's late, he's saying, she's saying, you up, and you're like, I remember all the best. Like, 2020, go somewhere and sit down. Um, at least so far. Mm. Although, the blessing in all of this is the fact that I am FaceTiming and Zooming my family more than I have before. Mm. So... Save Ray. Save it's true. Um, but other than that, I know, listeners, we some of you are at your brink Meaning, this is day. This is like week eight for some of you. And if you live live in Washington or even live in San Francisco area, you're entering in week ten. Wow. Eleven. Mm. And so, we want to acknowledge the fact. First of all, give yourself a hand clap for making it this far. Yeah. If there's a little more ways for you to go, like we were saying earlier, there are some states who are deciding to move forward with uh, reintegrating people. But if you got a little more ways to go, we've got a little more television to talk about so that you can stay safely at home. Mm-hmm. So while we're out here working or in here working, you can reap the benefits of the work that we have done for you <laughs> because we love you. Right, Critic? We do. And we want to give you an escape dans la maison. Oh, <laughs> so let's start with normal people. Not anybody on this podcast, but we're talking about the show Normal People that premiered on Hulu. About 12 episodes all together. Now, I saw some of the advertising of this and it was steamy. It was like, I was like, what in the world is happening here? She's flopping all over the bed and he's seducing her and we don't know what's going on this couple i'm i'm just like i don't know if this is this is me this you may have to have parental controls on your hulu for this show because it looks steamy you got a chance to take a look at some of this what is the verdict here are these normal people (laughs) 
Well, they're as normal as normal people are. Now, what does that mean? Ooh. It's normal to be abnormal, right? Oh. Now, Ref, what you said is absolutely right. This is not for children. Mm, okay. Well, good to know. Not. I was like, Hulu? <laughs> Some of these seasons, I was like, really? Y'all like saying HBO? Sit down. Really? Oh. Oh, shoot. But is it worth that? How is it handled, right? I'll get to that, but first. Uh, this is focused on two uh, teens in high school. Um, so they're in their final year when the series starts. Uh, and by the way, it's 12 half hour or so episodes. There we go again. It's happening. A lot of half. They're listening to you. I, thank you. And uh, it is set in Ireland. So they're there and both of them are so, so, so smart. So smart. But the guy, you know, he's popular. He's introverted, but popular. He doesn't like to rock the boat. He doesn't say much. People like him. He's an athlete, things like that. Very smart. The girl, very smart, but not so likable. She's quiet, but she will let you know what you are and what you ain't if you want to come for her. Oh, okay. okay. So just let her be, including teachers. Ooh. But she's smart. Okay. Okay, she might be smarter than some of her teachers. So the guy, and, and his name is Connell, and the girl, her name is Marianne. How do they interact? Do they interact at all? Well, Connell's mother works for Marianne's family, and she is, does some housekeeping for them. So Connell every now and then will go to Marianne's house to wait for his mother to finish and they have these stilted conversations. But they're not friends. So over the course of this series, we see how they become closer. <laughs> now, are they friends? Are they lovers? Are they enemies? Are they something else? That's the question across time because in this first season, uh, they grow up. They go from being, uh, you know, seniors in high school to beyond college or just the end of it. So you watch over years in 12 episodes, what happens to the ins and outs of this relationship? Uh, are they meant to be or not, right? I mean, that's really the question. And the thing is, what are their families' lives doing as well? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned Connell, his mother, where's his father? Marianne has a family, where's her father? The mother's mm. there. Her older brother is there. Ugh. And this ain't the older brother you want. I'll tell you that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. So, and, and the other thing is they're friends. What's going on with them? How do they interact with them? How do the friendships change over time? Because they don't stay with their friends in high school when they go to college. Remember, they're very smart. They go to a particular college mm. that only they could go to. And what's the change there? So you really, again, see over time how this uh, relationship develops, and it develops in a way that's very believable. I mean, it was, I'll be honest, parts of Connell, that character I saw myself in, I'm not him, but I saw myself in certain moments. Just the way, because I'm an introvert too, and when I was this age, I didn't say much to a lot of people. 
and I just saw how that was read. It was just so well done. And this is based on uh, a novel of the same name by Sally Rooney, uh, which people loved. And I have to say that this adaptation was wonderful. It was. Now, this is about teens, young adults. If you think of a lot of work that has come to us recently in this age range, frankly, Ref, I find a lot of it crass. Okay. The word. This is not. This is mature. You can tell they planned everything out. It is explicit at times, but they're very careful in how they do it. It serves a purpose. The writing is wonderful. And by that, I mean, it is not overwritten. They allow us to understand what's happening by watching. Mm -hmm. Also, Connell just doesn't say much in a lot of cases. He struggles with that. You, I mean, you just feel it. And you feel how Marianne, how is she going to relate with this person? I mean, she's disagreeable, but she knows how to communicate with words. He doesn't do that. What's that clash going to be like? Do they really like each other? What does that mean? I mean, all of this you get to explore. Uh, also, uh, I would say that the acting... Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones as Marianne and Paul Mescal as Connell. Sometimes I forgot they were acting. Oh, great. It was just beautiful to watch. So I, I would say, hey, if you're interested in this and you're not a kid, then certainly check it out. And I will also say this, after watching this and after seeing a lot of things, and we'll continue to talk about Hulu Ref, Hulu to me right now is my favorite network slash platform. Um, number one, by far. What they're more doing, than FX. Well, it's see, FX is now Hulu. Well, so, yeah, but point. FX was FX, you know. That's true, but this is what I mean. <clears throat> now you have what Hulu is doing, now you have the influx of what FX has, you know, on their own network, and that what they're doing for Hulu. Mm -hmm. along with everything else you get from Hulu, where you can have delayed viewing, watch other things. I, if I had to choose one platform, I would probably choose Hulu. I, you know, I'm thinking about Netflix too, but Hulu to me is standing out there. It's just the, the wealth of things you can get from a lot of different perspectives. It's just unmatched right now. They've taken over from HBO on that point, in my opinion. Well, it's interesting because um, with the merger, and of course, listeners, you know we're talking about Disney. That's right. Disney um, absorbing um, Fox's properties and Fox's networks and specifically putting FX material on Hulu as original material. Um, like we talked about um a couple weeks ago, Mrs. America being the first among. Um, I think we're going to see more of this because there was a great struggle to maintain all of the work that FX did, the, the specific work that they were doing over there to now come on over here to Hulu, which, hey, normal people, it's out right now. You can check it out. We'll see. Uh, you said season one. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're anticipating more than one season? Oh, I, I hope so. Now, this is a partnership. This isn't an FX show, by the way, for everyone listening. But it is a partnership between Hulu and BBC Three. Right. So I just hope they get it together to do another season. I mean, this is a critic's favorite, uh, and deservedly so. I, I, and I think that when people watch it, you'll know just the rhythms of it. It's just, it's really, a lot of it really is beautiful. But I will say, and then we can move on, 
a lot of it is heartbreaking. I mean, this is oh, serious, okay. serious stuff. Some of it is rough. So it's not just the love, and it's not just between the two of them. Uh, they're not, they're not uh, violent with each other, but there is some violence in the story. I'll put it I think we should, I think that's a very, thank you for doing that, Critic. During this particular time, we yeah. probably should give you as listeners a little bit of a heads up, um, especially if you're looking to escape into more of a fantasy, kind of a fluffier place to be rather than into the deeper, darker places. But you were talking about HBO, and HBO has a new show called Betty. It is inspired by Skate Kitchen, which was a film, I believe, that you saw or were going to see at Sundance. I think you saw it. Um, and if that's the one that had, like, um, it had... Uh, uh, Jayden. Will Smith. Yeah, Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith was yeah. in it. And I feel like there was somebody else that we maybe would have known. But you enjoyed Skate Kitchen, you know, kind of was surprised by it, had a pleasant surprise. And the question is, did it really happen here with Betty? Um, it's only six episodes. And I can't imagine that's a huge commitment. But if it's not, you know, inspiring, it could be a huge commitment. Yeah, and, and again, the half an hour episodes here, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're going from uh, from this movie, like you said, Skate Ch Kitchen, into a TV show. It's called Betty, but it it's the same characters mm -hmm. and the same actors slash skateboard wonder kids. Let's mm -hmm. say it that way. So they're playing their same characters. It's not exactly the same as the movie, though. I'll put it that way. So you can go to whywatchthat.com and, and listen to my review of Skate Kitchen, the movie. Uh, but here in, in Betty, again, we do have the Skate Kitchen participants. So just so you know who they are, this is a group of, of female skateboarders. Now, why would you need this group? Well, because there's a lot of sexism in the skateboarding community. They are not looked upon uh, and welcomed in a lot of corners here. And that's where the title comes from. Betty is uh, a derogatory term that's used for female skateboarders. Oh, huh. Yeah. And the name Skate Kitchen comes back from them hearing while they're skateboarding to go back to the kitchen. Oh my gosh. Okay. Forgot about that. <laughs> so, We've only had one episode as of uh, recording here of this six-part series, as you said, or first season. And watching it after seeing the movie, it took me back to the movie. But it didn't do anything where I was like, oh, it's a revelation. Now, we'll see in the remaining five episodes. I'm sure they're going to take us deeper. But in this first episode, I would say it is really for people who haven't seen Skate Kitchen and want to see this show. So you get introduced to the aesthetic uh, because Crystal Moselle uh, directed Skate Kitchen is back here creating the show. And it's just a, a nice, a nice fluid feel of New York City that you get from this that's echoed again. Uh, mm -hmm. What we see is uh, some of the Skate Kitchen members in the show start to meet each other. So what are those uh, introductions like? And one of them, well, her book bag is stolen with some valuables in it. So they all decide to try to get this book bag back. Now, how do they do that? And in the end, is anyone thankful hmm. when that book bag is found? 
So it's really quick, but you get an introduction to a spice of who the characters are and certainly the milieu that's created here. And then I'm sure as we move forward, they'll delve into the background stories of each of these characters. So I would say that the first episode is a great introduction to this world. If, okay. you, if you're interested, check it out on HBO and see. And then if you're really interested, I would watch Skate Kitchen, the movie as well. Gotcha. Great. Excellent. Now, we're going to talk about something that you love. Critic loves. It is a season finale. But guess what? It's coming back for season, season four. Yes, we're talking about Young Sheldon on CBS. I tell you, every single, every single season, the critic keeps saying, have you watched it? Did you watch it? I told you so. And, you know, these kids are... Um, growing up you know this is again we're in the third season of young sheldon and um you know you say it keeps getting better and better so the question is do you still stand on that should we still take your word for it are we really gonna watch this well tell us us, i hope so um now remember this is a spinoff of the big bang theory um which, I, you know, that didn't appeal to me, that show. But this does. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So even if you didn't uh, watch or didn't really click with the Big Bang Theory, I would say still give Young Sheldon a shot because it's a different style. It's not it's not a multicam sitcom with a laugh track. It's not oh. what's going on here. So, you know, it's a completely different thing. And now in season three, well, yes, like you're saying, Young Sheldon's still young, but he's older, Okay. What does that mean? Well, he's starting to assert himself a little more. Mm. He has a mentor who was dating his grandma, his Mima, but is no longer. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's played by Wallace Shawn. And well, while Wallace Shawn had a little moment to work through at the beginning of the season after breaking up with Sheldon's Mima, he has still been Sheldon's, you know, his mentor. Sheldon has taken classes uh, at, at his university with him. And, you know, they work through things and he's showing Sheldon the ropes. But something happens. Uh-oh. Sheldon helps him. And Sheldon doesn't believe that he gets the credit he deserves. Oh! So what is that like? And is this a signal to Sheldon's parents, especially to his mother, that while he is a genius, he might not be an emotional genius. Mm -hmm. He might not be a genius in the communication department. He has some growing up to do. Now, at the end of this season, we see that Sheldon, if you watch The Big Bang Theory, you know that he goes to Caltech. You know this. Right. Well, he gets an offer to go to Caltech. Uh Uh-huh. The family lives in Texas. Right. Are they going to do this? Right? Now, what does mom think and what does dad think? Mm. Because dad wants mom to know that Sheldon is our son. Uh Uh Okay, not just yours. And Sheldon, he's a mama's boy. In certain moments, is asking for dad. Hmm. Now, what's the resolution of this? We do see this at the end of this third season. In addition, Sheldon's parents, of course, they have their own ups and downs and their own uh, lives to lead. Mom is still working at the church and trying to help the pastor. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dad is still working at Sheldon's high school and his older son's high school as the coach. But what's going on with that? What about the teachers who have to deal with Sheldon? What do they think about him leaving and going to a university? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Now, older brother of Sheldon, he is now really becoming the budding entrepreneur and Mima's new boyfriend, played by Craig T. Nelson, <laughs> has employed him at his sports goods store. What's the outcome of that? What happens when Mima and uh, Craig T. Nelson's character have a little bit of rocks in their relationship? Is there collateral damage? Sheldon's twin sister, their fraternal twins, of course. Well, she's growing up. Yes. Too. Yeah, I said, of she's growing up too. And what does that mean? You know, does she have her eye on someone? Now she's been playing baseball with the boys. What does that mean? And is she overlooked in all of this? That's another question. And then we have other people. So young Sheldon is still what it has always been, which is mm -hmm. delight. Um, if you like smart comedies, then you can't get any smarter than this, certainly. <laughs> uh, and I would certainly say watch it. It's nice to be in the 90s again. It's nice to see the sunshine of Texas. That's what I'll say. And the casting is phenomenal. Well, this is something that you can check out on CBS. Um, it is 21 episodes, so it's one of those. Yeah. One of those old school. And CBS is really, I mean... They're among the only ones that are still doing it. Maybe NBC here and there, um, or NABC, actually. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to better things, because we have better things to talk about. Oh. I mean the show Better Things, of course. It is on Hulu, season four, season finale. This is another one of your favorites that you have been championing for all four of these seasons. And remember, um, I just, I, I check in every time you talk about, you know, this is a woman with children. She's a working actress, working creative. She's in Cali trying to, you know, get her life going. But knowing the life out here that I know, I'm assuming it's not going incredibly well for her. <laughs> Maybe here and there, but raising three kids in California, trying and being trying to be a creative is a perfect, perfect mix for a show. So what is going on with this mother of three? Has everybody gotten their crap together? Is she dating? Is she with oh. someone? Hmm. Um, did that work out? That's the question, right? Now, let's keep in mind that with everything that the ref said, which is absolutely spot on, the name of the show is Better Things. Ah. So what does that mean? And we're starting to see in season four what that means for Sam, which is the lead character played by uh, creator, writer, director, Pamela Adlin, based on her life. Yes. <laughs> so in this season, ref, she really has to come to grips with her anger and justified anger at her ex-husband. Yes. Who she's paying alimony to. <laughs> and who is not a good father. He does not show up. When he says he's gonna show up, he does not show up. Okay. 
So the daughters, uh, one of whom is now, you know, becoming a woman, the others are following in her footsteps, of course. What's their relationship with dad? Hmm? And can Sam let go of the anger? Her friends want her to. <laughs> okay. They even have this ceremony where they write things down and they burn it. She can't even do that right. <laughs> okay. So they're, like, they're like, look, we love you. We get it. You're right, but you're wrong for your life. You're wrong for your life. And in this season, instead of her having to deal with men and relationships with men, it's really about her letting go of that. About Ooh. her being with herself and being content in that. Now, this also bleeds into her daughters. Can they grow up and be themselves and, and really be a unit as sisters as well? Now, her mother is always just a, a bright spot. This woman comes in and she will say what she's thinking. Doesn't matter what you're thinking about it. She couldn't care less. Uh, we see her relationship with, with her daughter-in-law. So this is Sam's brother's wife. Right. Oh boy. Okay. I mean, if this is the food right at this function? <laughs> if not, watch out, she'll tell you. So we still see her and, and she's having health problems, but is this gonna hold this woman back? No. Uh, now, of course, I mentioned Sam's friends. We see all of them. Now, all of them, there are some men who are her friends as well. One of her best friends, he is dealing with a breakup of relationships she helped him with. And, and little Duke at the, the, at the beginning of this season comes in and dispenses wisdom to both of them in their doldrums, okay? And there's also one of her very best friends, ex-husband has become a friend of hers. How did that happen? Okay. So these are the questions that are really bubbling underneath the surface here. But again, the overall uh, or overarching theme of this season is Sam is becoming more of herself alone. What is that? And will this help her as her kids begin to leave the nest more and more and assert themselves more and more? And will this help her to understand her mother as well. So that's the question. We'll see as we move forward in season five. Oh! Come this. Hopefully that's what they're gonna do. I hope, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I'll say for, for season four. I will say that uh, it worked best for me when it wasn't on the nose of what they were thinking. A lot of this season was venting. Now, necessary venting. Mm. But it was a little much of it for me as a viewer, as a longtime viewer. I was like, okay, I get it. Um, mm. So hopefully they'll move forward in the next season. Because this really was the season where, you know, it, look, if you have an infection, you got to get it out of the body. Oh, interesting. Mm. Well. Well, hmm. now another season finale, series finale, limited series, series finale. yeah, yeah. Wait, still on, this is on Hulu. We're having a Hulu day today. <laughs> and it's little fires everywhere. Oh boy. In your home. Okay, that's after the ellipsis. <laughs> so, the ref got a chance to watch all eight episodes of this. Tell us, ref, is is this like Big Little Lies part duh or mm. not? I think that was such a perfect thing to say because my sister and I actually do kind of like what your brother 
you and your brother do. And we watched the last three episodes together. Mm. And she was so like, oh, I want more something like this. And I was like, have you checked out Big Little Lies? Ah. Who we all know um, as well as uh, that uh, Reese Witherspoon produced as well and stars in. And so she checked it out and she was like, I love it. <laughs> so it's definitely in the same vein. I think um, Sunshine, uh, Sunshine, forget her company's name. Um, oh, yes. I, I think it's definitely, she's got a brand and it is women, focal point women, protagonists, and sometimes antagonist women. And there's a sort of, there's a chop to it. There's a crunch. There's a bite hmm. to what she's doing. And, and the same thing with Morning Show. There's, there's um, It's must-see TV with a little bit of refinement, if you will. So here we are with Little Fires Everywhere that's based on the novel by Celeste, Celeste Ying. And the, I'm sorry, the New York Times bestselling novel. Oh. Remember we talked a little bit about this town in Ohio called Shaker. Shaker has a past that is later revealed what that past is. And um, Celeste, the writer, grew up in Shaker and had this to say about it. It is not based on anything specific, but Shaker is a town where there was a lot of white folks living there and they wanted to somehow make amends because there were also some African-American and non-white people who were mistreated in a very severe way. Um, things got burnt up. Things were, people were, uh, we'll just say you didn't want to live in Shaker. So what they did to remedy it was to pay. They wanted to integrate. They paid black, Asian, Latina families to come live there. And so now, what does that mean? Well, we have our star, Elena Richardson, who we talked about earlier was the to-do, you know, she's the PTA mom who will, you know, do this and that, her little part-time job as a journalist. Um, she marched with Martin Luther King, and she'll tell you about it. She um, interviewed interviewed Janet Reno, and she'll tell you about it. Well, Celeste, um, along with her, how many kids? Four kids. You got a lot of kids. Two boys, two girls. Um, and she is the perfect mother, whether you think so or not. She's the perfect one. She's married to Bill, who's played by Joshua Jackson. He's a lawyer. And picking up from where we talked about, we know that Maya Warren, Mia Warren, comes into town, played by Carrie Washington, with her daughter, Pearl, played by Lexi Underwood, uh, and they're mysterious because they are not Shaker-esque. Mm -hmm. And we know that Mia has a lot of secrets. And by the end, you find out all her dirty laundry. You find out who Pearl is, whose Pearl is, why Pearl is, and for real Pearl? And Pearl herself has to come through some of those realizations with her mother who has been charting around the whole entire nation, just leaving, being secretive. Well, let her, don't, we don't know who her, Mia's family is. Well, we find out who her family is and what her parents think about Pearl. Mm. Mm. Do they even know she exists for real? Yes, they do. And what do they think about that? You'll be surprised. Ooh. Mia also has a brother 
who meant something very special in her life. You'll see how that plays out and why she has the car she does. And then why also she chooses to live her life a certain way. Why did she do that? You'll find out how the brother um, influenced her with that. But the big story is the house burns down. Yes, Elena's house burns. And as we found out in the first episode, this is an internal inside job. There, there were little points of fires everywhere. Who set it off? Why did that? And why did they do it with her inside? Hmm. You find out who did it. It may be who you think it is or not. Now, we realize that Mia and her four children, there is Izzy, her youngest child, who is the rebel. She's not playing the rules. She has, in the 90s, remember this is the 90s, she is expressing herself privately, and some of those private expressions are coming to public. Is she, does she like girls? Does she like heavy metal does she like who is she is she is she making statements about shaker that shouldn't be made she is everything that shaker is not and that comes to a head between her and elena in the most dramatic way that you can ever imagine you would never ever want this to happen between a mother and a daughter oh to the point where if there is a christmas card going out there may be somebody missing on that Christmas card. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And then to wrap things up, the other sideline is Bibi Chow, who Mia worked with um, at the uh, Chinese fast food joint. Bibi, remember, she lost her child. Well, actually, she gave her away during this postpartum situation because she couldn't feed the child. She couldn't clothe the child. She couldn't properly take care of it. Now, remember, Bibi is from China. She is an, an undocumented immigrant. And remember, this is the 90s. So how many rights does she have? She finds out that her child has been um, uh, almost adopted by Linda McCullough. And what is Bibi going to do about it? Bibi said, I'm going to hire a lawyer with the help of Mia. How does Mia help her? You will never guess. How did Mia come up with the money? You will never guess. And they go to court. What happens as a result of that? Mm, fire. Because very much, Bill, Elena's husband, is the lawyer on the other side. How does that complicate his marriage between him and Elena? You will never guess the kind of dramatic situation that that brings into that home to the point where we end with this you get to the last episode we've had one child mia's oldest doing things she shouldn't be doing on prom but then there are repercussions of that you'll have to find out what those repercussions of those things you ain't supposed to be doing on prom or maybe you're supposed to be doing it. i don't know i didn't so you may have to figure that out. Then you have another one of her sons who has fallen. Both of them are really looking at Pearl like, girl, you are a juicy piece of steak. I would like to taste that. Who gets the taste of it? And I'm only saying that you'll find out why. Who is dipping in the pearls? And as a result of dipping, how do those brothers feel about each other? And then last but not least, the troubled child, Izzy. There is something so crazy that is that transpires between her and Elena 
that literally my sister and I had to pause to make sure we heard and saw what we did. Wow. That is, it's it's something that never should be uttered oh. between two human beings. Never, it should never be uttered mm. between two human beings, especially a mother and a daughter. There are repercussions of that, so much so that you'll find out who burnt that house down with Elena inside and what does Elena have to live with for the rest of her life because of her little fires? Because guess what? Those scenes between Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon when Elena was coming for, for Carrie, oh, there is seriously a forest fire of drama in this series. Now, is it the best? No, it isn't. But if you just want to be all up in somebody's business, I think little fires everywhere is for you. If not, if you like Big Little Lies, you will appreciate little fires everywhere. Now, I do want to move on to a series finale that you have stuck with for eight years. Showtime is saying goodbye to one of its probably, we can honestly say it's probably the show that really put Showtime in the running match with HBO during the time when it did. People were chiming in and looking at all the crazy things Claire um, was going through with Homeland. Now, you said in the beginning you felt it was dated. You can feel the datedness of Homeland when it when it's come back, but you also said you didn't mind it. Do you still feel the same way? And did Mandy Patinkin change his walk? That's all we want to know. And you don't we don't care about anything else. How did he end his walking? Mandy Patinkin <laughs> is a treasure <laughs> and he will never let you down in any department, let alone walking. <laughs> By the way, everybody, remember Mandy was in Yentl. He was the yes. love interest. Don't forget. Yes. And, and many Stephen Sondheim's. Yes. I mean, he's a, he's a beautiful singer, actually. I don't think people really know that. He, he's like Sondheim's muse, basically, yes. right? Him and Bernadette Peters? Oh, yes, absolutely. And why not? The commitment. <laughs> and his so commitment what? is matched by Claire Dates. I mean, these people, these people are, they would scare me to work with <laughs> in a good way. I'd be like, I better bring it because they're going to bowl me over. <laughs> they're going to have snot on my face and sweat. And they're going to just walk through me if I don't come to work now. <laughs> For Homeland Season 8, we know that uh, Carrie Matheson, played by Claire James, she's always been a problem. But she's always been a visionary, let's say, as a CIA agent. And she went through an ordeal with the Russians. She, at the end of season seven, was returned to the Americans um, and into Mandy Patinkin's his, uh, characters, uh, Saul Berenson's arms. And Saul is the one who has been Carrie's mentor, her boss, has groomed her, has always- Her handler, right? All of that, everything, yeah. everything. Um, and really a father figure. So, in this season, they aren't agreeing anymore uh -oh. because something happens to a government official that might set off nuclear war. Uh-oh. Yes. 
Pakistan is involved. United States, of course, and Russia. Now, Kerry has a way to stop this. Saul thinks differently. And it all revolves around a black box from a helicopter. Mm. Who has the black box? That's the question throughout the season. It's not always the same person. And in the end, the entity that has it wants no good for the United States. Can they get it back? Because this holds the key to not sending the world into nuclear Armageddon. Oh my gosh. Now in the end, the question is, this is Carrie and Saul. They always come back together, right? That's the question. How does Homeland end? Does it end where, okay, after what looks terrible actually is not the case? Or does it end with the terrible? I'll put it this way, because this is going to be a quick review. The ending for me, Ref, was pretty much perfect. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. For me, as someone who's watched all of these episodes, the way they ended was nasty and messy, but it made sense. And what it will do when you see it is go, wait a minute, I want to see this show. Where are they going? Where in the world are they going? So with that, I salute Homeland. Has it always been great? No, but it has always been watchable, even when it was annoying. And they've always been true to telling us a story that was worth our time. I salute the writers. I certainly salute these actors. And just so you know, uh, Claire and Mandy were definitely uh, listened to when it came to the ending. They were very protective of their characters and they made sure that what happened to their characters was something that made sense, even though it was tough to watch. So uh, again, if you've seen Homeland, keep watching. You do want to see this ending. If you haven't, while, yeah, like you were saying, Raph, it is from a different era, it's still a nice era to revisit. Nice in quotes, this is not a nice story. (laughs) But, you know, it's a nice era to revisit. It's not like you'll go, oh, you know, this is so far back in time, it's outdated, all of that. It feels dated in a way that is acceptable. Mm. Gotcha. Well, thank you for your, you are dedicated. Thank you for dedicating eight years to Homeland and we salute it. If the critic says something ends perfectly, <laughs> almost yeah. you better believe them. <laughs> we now have a Netflix sneak peek. Uh-oh. It's called The Eddie and it's out on the 8th. The Eddie. Yes. It's, um, it's on Netflix and the critic got a chance to t- check it out. Now we are in Perry, Paris. And we've got Damien Chazelle directing stuff. You've got all kinds of people showing up here. I mean, the ingredients are pretty good. Whether it pans out or not, that is a very different question. So Andre Holland's in it. Super huge fan of his. This is his second Netflix like he's really taking over Netflix and Hulu right now. Yeah. His second Netflix um, limited release kind of thing. You know, he worked with Soderbergh, um, and then now he's here with Chazelle, uh, among other people. Now, what is going on here? Because we got is he is he really playing jazz, doing jazz stuff? 
<laughs> if he's not, it looks like he is. Oh. Um. Now look. Uh. Yeah, it is a musical drama. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Eddie is a club. It's a jazz club in Paris that uh, Andre Holland's character, Elliot, has opened with his great friend, Fareed. And the thing is, though, you know when you open any establishment, there are financial issues. Do you have money? It's a right. the jazz club. Can they get people to come in? Now, Elliot was a star jazz musician. Superstar. Is this Carnegie present day? Hall. When is this? It's present day, yes. Okay, got it. Carnegie Hall level. Okay? Oh. You can't afford him on your album level. Dang. He gave it all up. Mm. He left New York City to go to Paris. Why? And in leaving New York City, he left his daughter, he left his wife. Oh my gosh. Gone. So it's been like three or four years but that he's been gone uh, when the Eddie starts. Now, his daughter, who's played by Amanda Stenberg, Steinberg, Steinberg, oh, sorry. Okay. So Amanda's here. She is shipped from New York City to Paris by her mama. Mama. <laughs> you go over there to Paris and live with your father. Uh-oh. She's in high school. Okay. Why? Let me tell you something. She is more than a handful. Oh, Lord. Now, you know, when they first see each other, she first arrives at Paris, you know, Elliot's like, uh, where's your instrument? <laughs> this is his focus. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know you didn't, like, I know you had that clarinet with you. I know you didn't, you know, like, do a check with that. You don't do that with these instruments. You know, that's his focus. She wants, she really wants somebody to listen to her and understand her. She's at that mm -hmm. age. Mm-hmm. There are reasons why they don't want to. I'll put it that way. Legitimate ones. Oh. Okay, so she can't have half of a seat. Half. <laughs> and you'll see why I said half and not a whole when you watch this. Now, uh, we also have musicians in the eddy. What are their stories? There are some who are established. There are some who want to start uh, their musical careers. Uh, we also see their families. For instance, Fareed's wife and his uh, children, his two young children. What does his wife think about all of this? Is she in all that jazz stuff or not? Uh -oh. Okay. And the question of money. Because to supply this club, if you don't have money, who do you need to go to? And who's in charge of the money? And when do you have to pay up? And when you do, if you don't have the funds, what will be the fallout? Uh-oh. Violence ensues. I'll put it to you that way. It is not pretty. And what happens at the end of episode one sends us on a trajectory for the rest of this season. The cops are involved. Okay? So the question is, for Elliot, for Fareed, for everybody else, who knows about all the goings on at this club? Who's in the dark? Do you go to the cops? Do you go to the criminal element? Do you go to your family? Can you handle all of this along with familial problems and make it in the end? 
Will the Eddie even be standing at the end of these eight episodes? Oh. Now, if you've seen Whiplash, that's the feel of this show. Okay. Now, you don't have J.K. Simmons, not that character. So if you subtract his character out of Whiplash, this is what you get. You get this music. Now, the music is uh, composed by Glenn Ballard and Randy Kerber. Glenn Ballard, everybody did once. No, not once, sorry. He oh. did, um, he won a bunch of like uh, Grammys and all other kinds of stuff. He worked with Alanis Morissette, you know, right. yeah. stuff like that. Um, but this is jazz. And most of it, I really like. Oh, okay. I was like, this is some good jazz music. Now, another thing in this story is a character, Maya, played by Joanna Kulig. Now, Joanna Kulig was the star of Cold War. Right? Yes, yeah. She can so sing. She, she can sing. She's the, because at the Eddie, Eddie, they have a house band that Elliot's managing, and she's the head singer. What else is her relationship with Elliot, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So right. we see her story and that tug and pull. Sometimes <laughs> a manless character stand with her instead of with her father, like, you know. So this is a mess. So the show really matches the jazz music. It's improvisational. The camera work is maybe all over the place. The story is going to different places. They let certain moments breathe. Some other moments are quick. You get interludes of music that they let breathe, because these are real musicians, real ones in the house. Oh, okay. Real. So if you like jazz, if you like the feel of whiplash, I would say definitely check out the Eddie. For me, I was transported into this world, even when it got really tough with the violent stuff. I was with them. I always felt like I was in their world, even when it wasn't perfect. Even the meandering I liked, it was like jazz meandering. Mm. The only thing I think at the very end, there was like a little optimistic note where I was like, "Mm." that's the only thing where I went, "Mm." but let me tell you this. Oh, you dark Andre heart. Andre <laughs> Holland. What if we said about Andre Holland starting with the Nick? Come on, come on. Y'all better get up on it. Okay. I don't know whether he's playing the piano or not, or the trumpet or not, or whatever he was doing. I believe <laughs> it. I believe it. A man gets to sing. Oh. I mean, Again, if you like what I said, everybody, check out the editing. It will be available on Netflix starting on May 8th of this year nice now yeah one more thing before we go oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> see ref you forgetting some of the stuff i do watch. i do <laughs> so we're ending with a little reunion special that was handled was it via zoom ref is that how they did it no it was it was um i watched it on youtube but mm-hmm. i think nbc actually aired it so they can catch it now on youtube but i'll, I'll let you finish yeah, so this is one of the specials in, in, during the time of COVID that Parks and Recreation did. They brought all of their uh, disparate <laughs> actors back for one-time special. And like you said, it's on NBC. You can catch it via NBC's app, and I'm sure via Hulu um, as well. So tell us, Ref, you got a chance to see this. What's this just, you know, all we want with shows that we've lived with that have gone away and come back, it's just to get that feeling again. Well, okay. So first of all, let's say this. They raised over $2.8 million mm. by doing this for COVID, um, coronavirus, coronavirus relief. relief. 
So it's for a good cause. And so it's hard to critique and review and things. So I think that's a good question to ask. Does it give you that feeling? Now, also to note, um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air will be doing the same. And they are... Listen, the question is, are they going to get the original Vivian back? They will not. I saw that cast list. They will not. I don't think she's coming back. And I'm like, dang, you ain't even coming back for coronavirus? Is it that bad? Yes. Just watch her. Um, What's on, on TV One? The, the Unsung? If oh. you watch that, you'll know why she's not coming back. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was like that. I mean, I was I was excited about that. I was like, oh, everybody's coming back. <sighs> I don't think she's coming back. And now you've confirmed it. But back to Parks and Rec. Now, I wasn't an avid watcher of Parks and Rec. I would tune in. It's not one of those shows where you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to tune in. It really piggybacked off of the sensibilities of 30 Rock, that kind of... Um, improv feel but i'll tell you what it gave a lot of people their their big break namely chris pratt um, we knew a little bit about nick offerman but boy did we really grow to love him even more um um aziz got his break from this mm-hmm. and um um rita who's in good girls i think mm-hmm. yeah she's you know we we already knew who Rashida Jones was, but you know we enjoyed having her as well. Adam Scott. I mean, it really was one of those things that people really launched from. And so, getting everybody back together. This is the premise. Very simple, very straightforward. <clears throat> Leslie, who we know is over Parks and Rec, she's on um, a call. She they have what's called a a calling tree. So she calls one person and that person has to call the next person just to check in make sure everybody's okay so she decides to call ron who we know is played by nick offerman and ron is like really not trying to have it he's like look i've been social distancing since i was four so what why are we you keep calling me girl and she's like i just want to you know check in all the parks are closed and I know it's a hard time for everybody. So I really think this calling tree is super, super important. And Ron acknowledges the fact that, you know, fine, whatever works for you. And she goes, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind calling Jerry? Played by Jim here. Nobody wants to call Jerry. And you all know why. Nobody wants to call Jerry. And so Ron was like, I'm not calling Jerry. I don't care how you're feeling about this, Leslie. I ain't calling Jerry. So instead, he calls April, who we know is married to Andy, played by Chris Pratt. Now, of course, April is in the house. Um, I think her her uh, Zoom uh, her Zoom handle is like Satan's daughter. So you remember that about April? She's very edgy on and all of that. Now, Andy has locked himself inside of the shed. So Chris Pratt is literally like, look, it happens to everybody during this time. I've locked myself in the shed. I don't know. I don't know. I I can't call Jerry. So they move on and I'm not going to give everybody's reaction. Everybody shows up. Basically, it's an episode. Just seeing those beloved faces, you get a big... I won't say what it is at the end. You get a big thing that they all do together at the end. 
Leslie is happy. He's played by Amy Poehler, you know. She's happy. Everybody's safe. We have a surprise guest that um, shows up in Ron's house, and you have to figure in 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 his marriage bed. He said so. You have to figure out who that guest is. I'm sure if you love the show, you'll know who it is and what he does about it. Um, and then we have throughout the special different commercials that appear and these are some of our favorites we've got paul rudd who opens the show um with his oblivious self that he played on there it is basically just i like to see these people these actors um is there a plot no is it great writing is it great delivery well it's kind of hard especially with comedy to do it at this time because they're not doing probably legit zoom calls they're probably responding to lines being said to them and they have to give it so it was a little like you know weird but who cares 2.8 million dollars was raised as a result of this and you can still give so the bottom line is this if you just want to see everybody get back together just get a like not a taste but just a little just dipping your one little tongue back in um, like a little, little, you know, the little taste bud, one taste bud of your tongue back into the world of Parks and Rec. I think this will be a wonderful, worthy cause to do that. So there you go. Wonderful. So we've given them again, Raph, a smorgasbord of television. Yeah, we did. I mean, we ran the gamut here and we'll continue to do so. And I'm sure that there's at least one thing here that everybody will help you to escape and just know if it sounds good to you. That's mm. all that matters. Come on now. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.